This week on the show, we have various podcast hosts and recurring contributing writer for The Snake Soup, Force Wave. So is it just me drinking or is it Well, I mean, I... I've got an energy drink here because I'm out of alcohol. Wow, don't go, don't go fucking crazy. I know, I'm, I'm really living it up. I'm going to be up until like 2 a.m. as usual, watching fucking cooking shows. Alcohol makes me feel like shit, and I already feel like shit after several days of being sick. And it's a work night, so yeah, well, don't do that. Well, I feel like <laughs> yeah. shit, and then alcohol makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> There's different buzzes from different types of alcohol. You know, you just yeah. you got to find the right the right blend. I'm drinking a Stella, and every time I drink a Stella, I always think about a certain man you had on the podcast here. <laughs> also was drinking Stella. I always feel an affinity with him. Every time I drink Stella, I feel pretentious, and I and I drink Stella a lot. It's like common corner shop beer here. Like every 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 corner store carries it. Who was drinking Stella? Uh, Die Hardman. Mr. Tommy Earl Jenkins. Oh, huh. Yeah, when we recorded with him, he was he was throwing one back, and I was throwing one back, and it was really funny. It was like we drink the same beer. That makes me special. <laughs> we we are the same. That's like right at the top of the episode too. Yeah, it's a great way to start it. <laughs> it's funny too because. Stella has traditionally been like the I don't want to say official because I can't like I don't know exactly it's but Konami's drink for sure. It's Konami's like, beer, yeah. <laughs> they, um, they always have that shit out. Like they've they've definitely got some kind of hookup with like Yeah. Every time I've gone <laughs> to E3 and Konami has had like a, a booth, um, they're always they've always got Stella on tap. Was was that the beer Kojima was drinking in that one no. picture? No. no, 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 Rolling Rock. Yeah, it's Rolling Rock. Oh. Hey, I'm Fingers. Yo, it's Apache Smash. Hey, everyone. This is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Dude, I loved what you did today. I, I, I love your that your first attempt. The, just based off this recording, yeah, everybody. I love that your first attempt. Your first attempt at like a story stream for MGS three, and like you looked at the time and you were like, "Oh, it's eight o'clock. I gotta record the for the Kojima frequency." And it gets to the part where Big Boss or Steak is about to shoot the boss, and he goes and he opens his three sixty screen, and he's like, "All right, guys, you want to find out what happens next? Tune into Apache Smash tomorrow." <laughs> and he just closes the game. <laughs> left him on it. Uh, you piece of shit. <laughs> That's commitment right there. So what happens? I'm I'm not sure. I think I think they just all escape on the wig, right? He fixes the cable. Someone will save the boss at the last minute. No, you fight the end, right? <laughs> I'm being baited here. <laughs> no, he's no, gonna make, say Don't say it. Don't. He's <laughs> don't say it. No, he can't say it on the show. He's not allowed. You're going to wear it out. <laughs> Although, can I he just say. He has said it on the show before. Uh, that should go on a t-shirt. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, that sh- that, if you're going to do stream merch, which I'm assuming you're going to do very soon. That should be at least part of the first batch. I might, I might stream merch for time. Jesus. I, I used to think, like, oh, my God, if I can get, like, 10 viewers watching my stream, I'll be so happy. And every time I look at the number and it's over 10, I'm like, yes. 
10 people. Also, your mic sounds fantastic, by the way. I could okay. hear it. I could hear it on um, the stream, too. I was like, so so that's not his accent. That was just the mic. <laughs> um, so I know we've I, got a lot to get into, but how many streamers do you usually have uh, show up I'm, when you do these? I'm averaging 55. Jeez, man. Hell yeah. That's yeah it's, good, go, it's going so. up. It's like trending in an upwards direction which is pretty good considering i i only play one game like i play Metal Gear Solid three like every single time i stream i play a little bit of two and a lot of three when when i did that uh that stream the other night for the anniversary of mgs2 i had something like a peak of 160 and about had a panic attack you handled it really well that was that was an awesome stream by the Dude. time i i joined the call i was so so tired it was like 4 a.m for me oh but, my god um, man yeah, that was a fun time, man. I, I hope you upload that. That was a, Please, that was a good time. I, yeah, Please I gotta, I gotta fix that. I, Please the only more. reason I stopped was because my wife came into the room and went to bed, and I went, "Why is she going to bed? What's what time?" <laughs> is it? You you went for like eight hours though. Nine. Yeah, you went yeah. pretty long. Twitch says nine, but there was some breaks okay. and lead up. Yeah. So probably yeah, so probably about eight. I was modding so. for you for like four hours, so yeah, I know I stuck with yeah. you for a while. I appreciate that. You were basically <laughs> just like hurting all the cats and you Man, and you need to get in touch with Super Bunny Hop and both y'all need to open up a uh a school of metal gear. I was I was cooking <laughs> with a I was cooking with a friend earlier and i was like we need to put on something for background noise and he put on super bunny hops metal gear solid 4 video oh jeez it's like oh jesus christ I, I saw like the the backdrop of him in like the community college classroom and between that and you and your stream and just the way you instructed and presented yourself i was just like okay i would enroll in this school <laughs> on that note because you just reminded me of this did you ever see that one video um, I can't remember who did it, but it's like a two, I want to say it's like two hours long or something of this guy giving a lecture on Kingdom Hearts lore. Ooh, and it's, what, it's, was that part of uh, like, the, the, the procrastinators? I don't remember, but it's done in like a comical way and the guy's got sunglasses on and it's all very tongue in cheek, but like he actually spells it all out and like he's got a whiteboard and it's like a legit lesson i think um, that's the i think that's the same team that made the lectures for sonichu and probably yeah, i think so dig masterson and maddox clash i yeah. would go to the sonichu class and i know apache would join me uh it's by ben saint it's really fun i gotta i gotta i gotta look it up later but they basically did that and it was this like it starts out and you think, oh, this is going to be a joke. And then you look at the time and it's like, oh, this is like extremely long. And then you realize, oh, this is a legit lesson on Kingdom Hearts lore and it's going to take forever. And I was thinking that if I ever uh, went crazy, I would do that for Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've been thinking about doing that for Metal Gear as well. <laughs> Community it's college, a commitment, man. man. I'm telling you, just open up a, a like a community college or an online school. I yeah, would sign up. Yeah, you need more than a class for Metal Gear. You need a whole damn college. 
God, so what's what is going on in the world of Metal Gear? Happy twentieth anniversary! You're delisted from all digital storefronts. I know what a fucking shift in tone, right? We we record last week's episode. We're all happy and go lucky, and and you got this mod stream going, and Apache's got his little surprises and shit, and and Fingers has got his remixes, and then like the momentum, man, got got pulled under. I don't, I still don't even understand what quite happened. Um, okay, so just to to lay it out for anybody who wasn't aware, due to the fact that Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 use actual historical footage at points, you know, like they've they've got footage of, of Kennedy and Gorbachev and MGS3, for example. I, I was literally um, going to say, for example, because I just watched that. I did literally had yeah. that on my screen. It was in my head and you just get that like off the rip. You're just like, you, that's where you instantly <laughs> go is Kennedy and 3. I mean, that's the most obvious example, you know? I'm surprised that stuff is in, like, public domain. It's not, though. That was my initial reaction. I always assume that as well. I always assume that with it. It may also have to do with the fact that it's, that it's international. So even if it's in the public domain, if you're in the U.S., because it's a Japanese company, it might not apply the same way. I don't know. Right. I'm not an IP lawyer. I don't, I don't do this stuff. But, like, MGS2 had stock footage of... Um, of you know New York City and uh some of that was recorded by uh Kojima and team I thought but but definitely there was some of it that was stuck anyway uh 10 years to the day from when the HD collection was released the licenses expired well I'll be damned so they had to delist them from digital storefronts and it seemed like initially they didn't go down yeah, it didn't happen right away because people were like, uh, it's, it's, they're still up. Yeah, like two days later, they were still up. Uh, but then just the other day, uh, either yesterday or day before, they finally did vanish. So like they're gone from GOG. They're gone from PSN. Um, I think they're gone from Xbox as well, but I'm not sure. Oh, it actually happened. Shit. I thought they yeah. sorted it out by now. There, nope. there was a yeah. delay, but it's now it's now happened. Yeah, I'm on GOG right now and just searched Metal Gear Solid, and the only thing that's coming up is Metal Gear Solid. So and yeah. and, and uh, Metal Gear, but everybody yeah. assumed that like Konami solved it really quick and then just didn't make a big deal out of it. Which is to be fair, that's kind of on brand for them to to announce a problem but not a solution. Um, but no, it it just seems like it took a, a minute. So yeah, is this rude? But uh, do you know GOG? They want. I once had like a a really like viral Metal Gear tweet, and they posted underneath it and was like, "GOG uh, MGS two is now available on GOG with a link to yes. buy it." And I was going to yes, be like, "Fuck true. you, GOG!" And but I thought, <laughs> "Nah, I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle." But is it funny if I go and retweet it now? <laughs> you should. Way funny. Do, oh it. God, do it. Fucking do it. Um, I like GOG in all honesty. Yeah, uh, me too. They're one of the few game distributors that I that I really like. Uh, they give you DRM free stuff. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's the big thing. Uh, so that's a big deal to me. And and they were even like before Metal Gear. Uh, one of my favorite game series of all time is the Descent series, yeah. which is this like uh, 360 degree first person shooter, and you're like in a little spaceship shooting robots and stuff. And it's just it was a really good multiplayer shooter. Um, and they have all three of them up on GOG, and uh, that's pretty much the only place you can get them. They're the only place I was able, I've been able to play one of my favorite 
cult favorite robot shooters, Shogo Mobile Armor Division. Um, nice. At, 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 you know, obviously there's a little few niches that you have to clear up, nooks and crannies you have to deal with, but I'm in the same boat where at the very worst, I just look at them as a necessary evil, but so far they've, they haven't done me any wrong. What's cool is they have this thing where you can submit ideas for what games you want added to GOG. And for a long time, the top of that list was System Shock 2. I think that's what eventually led to all the licensing shit being sorted out. Was just public interest? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if it, you know, a company has to see that there's actual demand for something before they're going to put money into it. And I'm hoping someday... Uh, in fact, I'm surprised it hasn't already happened to uh, the Xbox Live Arcade port of GoldenEye that leaked uh, not too long ago. I don't know if any of you saw that. Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, I played it. I, I mean, that thing would be actual hell to re-release. Yeah, I played it's it the, too. With the GoldenEye <laughs> film IP. That must yeah. be like actual hell to try and re-release. Well, from the sound of things, they sorted it out. Um, but it was just, uh, someone, I guess, God, there was a, there was a postmortem of sorts on this and I can't remember exactly what held it up. So you might want to, you know, fact check me on this, but, uh, it wasn't a rights issue. They were able to work it out, but someone at Nintendo, I think was like, we don't want that to happen. Do you know how much of a pain in the ass Nintendo were during the development of GoldenEye for the N64? Mm-hmm. They, they, they wanted the, uh. At the end of a level, when you get to the end of a level and you've and you've killed everyone, right? They wanted the level to end and then everyone who had died to stand up and shake hands. <laughs> okay, no, 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 I'm no, not, no, I'm no, not no, joking. That was that's not exactly true. I remember hearing the story, and wasn't Miyamoto just like suggesting that, like it wasn't an actual. I, I'm, like, real I'm taking thing. this. I'm taking this from the GoldenEye game documentary that I watched, and that's Seriously. what they said in the documentary. You are kidding me. So, that, no, no, no. so that's real. Yeah, yeah. And they also, oh there was also an issue with multiple weapons being too violent. Um, they couldn't have any women as, uh, as like playable characters, even in multiplayer. What? Uh, the, only, the only women in the game is, uh, women in the game is, is Xena, and there's another one as well. Well, they weren't even going to have multiplayer originally, didn't that no, get it added came in, in like the right last the month or something? Yeah, yeah like it right was a last minute end. edition. It's incredible. Yeah, and they threw it in as a lark, and it ended up being like the primary selling feature of the whole game. Yeah, I wouldn't have sold like it did if it weren't for the multiplayer. Yeah, that's what everybody remembers. Do you know originally it was going to be an on rail shooter as well? Like it wasn't. It wasn't even going to be an FPS. It was going to be like a, like. A, uh, like not a time crisis but like on rails the whole game is just on rails and you can kind of tell that in the level design as well um yeah but yeah i i I, yeah. I, I bring that documentary up whenever i can it's so good just search like goldeneye game documentary on youtube it's it's absolutely excellent it's so funny as well the takeaway here is that nintendo just really doesn't want anybody to play goldeneye yeah i hear it wasn't nintendo's fault this is I'm basing this off of that What Happened video on GoldenEye. Yeah. I, from what I hear, it was Eon Productions didn't want anything related to past bonds. They, they, they just wanted... They only wanted uh, 
games about the current Bond. Oh, okay, I get you. But but that doesn't even make sense because we got the um the From Russia with Love game. That's because that was a between Bonds era. Was it really though? Yeah, it was between Brosnan and Craig. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, kinda... I always thought the the Craig version of Goldeneye that they put out was just bizarre in so many ways. I like the first film. I don't think Nintendo would have any say in Goldeneye because, you know, Banjo-Kazooie, both both games were released on Xbox Live Arcade. Even though they were published by Nintendo initially. Who knows what goes on in the minds of executives. They, they can have, like, more and less hand in the development as well, right? But I assume all that stuff comes from the Bond IP. And the thing is, it's laughable how bad like whoever owns Bond is with, with like their characters. Uh, they the, Another thing that came out of that documentary is at first they didn't want James Bond to be able to die because that's not like <laughs> like the character. Um, that's ironic. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> for, uh, but, for certain reasons. <laughs> yeah, um, but like they were so heavy handed and they like they couldn't put any of another thing that they tried to do during development is they wanted to put different versions of Bond into the game. And people have found like the files where they had tried to do this. But yeah, I've they, seen they, that. They couldn't do anything but but have, you know, Pierce Brosnan's Bond in the game. Yeah. Like they had, I think they they dug up the the portraits for them, but not the like there weren't any models, right? Yeah, they were they were told they were told no very early on. Um, But one more, and I'll shut up about James Bond and Goldeneye forever. One more. Okay, Major Zero. 007 is the biggest thing to come out of England since the Mayflower. I wouldn't be surprised if they made twenty more of those movies. Didn't you know the Major is a huge James Bond fan? Don't get him worked up like this. Worked up. Maybe you don't realize this, but now that you've got him started talking about Bond, I'm going to have to listen to him lecture for a whole hour after he gets off the radio. You have my sympathy. Have you ever seen the video of Pierce Brosnan playing Goldeneye on the on the talk show? And he's like <laughs> hilariously bad at it. <laughs> I mean, it it that's a that game controls weird anyway. Let's be honest. I True. mean, that game was fun in in spite of its controls, not because of them. Um, I don't know. It's it's impossible to tell what these companies are actually thinking. And and a lot of the time it just comes down to people speculating and spreading rumors, which is a great segue, I might say, even though I made it to the subject of Konami and misinformation and rumors, which is something that our guest today uh, writes on quite regularly. Yeah. Mm. It's a thankless tax. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. You're welcome. But he writes for one of our favorites, the Snake Soup. So, so I think we've had the entire Snake Soup staff on at this point. Yeah, I was say, this is our third Snake Soup guest. He's gotten all the Snake Soup gems, y'all. I don't think I am officially part of the Snake Soup staff. I'm just a guest writer. Snake Soup adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> it still counts it's towards a- our completion status. Very, you just got to get that one guy who wrote the Ultra Games article. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you have probably, with your myth articles, pissed off more Metal Gear fans per capita than anyone else. Awesome. Uh, mainly on, uh, I would say, two of them, which are the, the myth that Kojima said portable ops and rising are canon. Which Hell is that one. still a debate. 
Okay, the and... funny thing about that article is the people who respond to it make counter arguments that are addressed in the article. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's every article that the snake suit puts out. Someone's going to be like, Are you telling me that people read the title and then they don't read the article? So we saw someone do it the other day. You literally did it in front of us. Yep. Like I still see people say, oh, it says here in the article, Kojima says the main story of Portable Ops is canon, but not the small details. Like, finish the article. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a whole second half to his answer. Okay, Kojima's weird. Like, his answer was yes, but no. Yeah. But, but, but like, people only focus on the yes answer. And then another one I always get is just because Kojima didn't list Rising and Portable Ops as part of the saga doesn't mean they're not canon. Even though, again, as the article points out, the quotes you use to support these games being canon, these Kojima quotes, have him use part of the saga and part of the canon as synonyms. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in is that he has never used the term canon uh, per se. Like that's not exactly a concept he ascribes to Metal Gear in, in, in that specific way. So it makes the argument a little difficult to follow at times. Uh, But, but then like, you know, as, as is in the article, he sort of put his foot down one day and said, there's, uh, there are the games with the a Hideo Kojima game, um disclaimer of sorts on them let's say and everything else and but, and i mean that's kind of where the argument ends isn't it i mean but you know it goes kind of back to his my whole argument my whole argument in particular about him being a man who likes to curate the entire experience so yeah. it, at this point in time i look at it no shadier than when he says, oh, by the way, I, I didn't I didn't direct this trailer. I didn't direct this advertisement piece like he acknowledges that it's part of the process, but it's not part of his process. And it's up to you whether you want to interpret that as as canon. But, you know, that's my interpretation. It's kind of a how Star Wars had the expanded universe, you know, had. Oh, let's not talk about that. I'm not uh, j- OK, <laughs> OK. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Everybody hates it when I make that comparison. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> you know what's funny? That's another thing I wrote for Star Wars Newsnet. I wrote an article about whether or not George Lucas considered the Star Wars Expanded Universe canon. Because the common narrative is, oh, Disney decanonized the Expanded Universe. They threw away decades of storytelling. When if you look into it... uh. Lucas has been doing that himself for years. Like, you know, he cherry picks a couple ideas just like Disney does. You know, they they brought in Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a it's like quasi canon. A big complaint people make is that Kathleen Kennedy literally said, oh, well, we have nothing to draw from. We don't have like these epic comics or like novels like other other places. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wait. Okay, what she's talking about is Star Wars isn't based on a pre-existing work. Like, Dune is based on a series of novels. Harry Potter is based on a series of novels. What Kathleen Kennedy is saying is, you know, there's no books 7, 8, and 9 for them to adapt. They have to write the stories on their own. Except the ones Lucas wrote. 
I do remember hearing about that like when I was a kid too. They were like it was like it was definitely nine things that he had written out. Oh yeah, uh that's everything that people seem to misunderstand. They didn't throw away Lucas's outlines. Well, what happened was you know, Lucas isn't the director, so he can't oversee everything. So they took they tried to adapt his outlines, but you know, things couldn't really work out. Like once you introduce Luke into the film, he takes over the whole film. And so that's so eventually they cherry pick parts of the outlines that worked and then re reworked them into a final product. And whether you like that or not, you know, that's that's how it worked. Like if you look at the development process of every Star Wars film, the initial outline is wildly different from what is presented on the screen. There's even a Dark Horse comic series called The Star Wars about. Uh, oh, that was the one based on like his initial draft, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's fascinating because you can see the DNA of stuff that, you know, not even just in A New Hope. There's the asteroid chase scene. There's, you know, training primitive aliens to fight against the Empire. And there's even a redemption story for one of the Knights of Sith. So, yeah, I mean, like, it was just a matter of refinement and sort of reworking it into something that the mainstream could digest more easily. Right. And that's what Dis Disney Lucasfilm tried to do with Lucas's outlines. It's just that, you know, he sold the franchise and Bob Iger made it clear to him that that they're under no obligation to closely adhere to his outlines, but they still use ideas from the outline, like Han and Leia's son turning to the dark side came from Lucas's outlines. Luke's whole arc in The Last Jedi, believe it or not, came from George Lucas's outlines. There was a bit of the Last Jedi, art of the Last Jedi book that, that talks about Doug Chang basically covering Luke's arc in that film where he's disillusioned and, you know, isolates himself. But, you know, he has to come back around and you know, become that spark of hope for the galaxy again. It is sort of funny because we we often kind of compare Kojima to Lucas in a lot of ways in terms of like trying to steer this gargantuan machine of a story around. With this Kenobi series coming out too, where they're trying Damn it, to like, fingers, I wanted to do that. Yeah. I, I never get to do the segue. Damn it. Ah, <laughs> it's kind of anticlimactic seeing like seeing uh, Vader and and Kenobi fight again, and it's also like, wouldn't that kind of break canon too? Like, unless all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I forgot that we fought." You know, it's like, ah, oh, that'd make it kind of weak. This is kind of why I like Metal Gear because it doesn't, you know, it it makes it clear that it's not going to care about canon if it's going to hurt the story. Like, yeah. canon is a is like a suggestion in Metal Gear, not a rule per se. Well, okay, if you want to get technical. <laughs> By the way, I agree. Vader being in the Obi Wan show is stupid. Just them fighting, like, yeah. If you want to get technical, Vader never said when was the last time they fought. You say, <laughs> yeah, they they're playing around with that ambiguity. Yeah, they do that a little bit too much in the non-film media for my liking. But so is Vader still learning? Then I guess. 
because that was kind of the big quote there from the first movie was, you know, when I left, I was but the learner. Now I am the master or when we last saw each other. I can't remember it exactly. It was something like that. You know what's going to happen in the last episode? Vader's going to kneel towards Palpatine and he's going to say, Ah, I'm still learning the ways of the dark side, but in time I will become the master. You know, there's a word for this. It's called contrivance. Yeah. Okay. The only the only story (laughs) that could work for a Kenobi film or TV series is a rematch with Darth Maul. But they already did that in Rebels. Well, hold on. They they are talking about bringing in Starkiller, though. I did. I saw something about that the other day. Where like oh. they, they mentioned Gal and Merrick, and and I was like, oh fuck, are they really gonna bring in the Force Unleashed into this? Like, I hate the Force Unleashed. Oh, dude, he brought down a fucking Star Destroyer with his hands. How are you gonna hate on that? That's stupid. <laughs> That's a Metal Gear Rising energy, and we don't shit on Metal Gear Rising okay. energy on this show. <laughs> I like the game. Okay, uh, fingers, fingers, fingers. <laughs> you, you. Rising have... is okay, but you better not backflip off a missile. <laughs> that was another thing that happened in the middle of Apache's story stream. Was there was a scene where, uh, like, fuck, I forget. I think it was when uh, Shagarhad was like coming up from the blown up bridge and doing like a 360 and Apache's like, and everybody shits on twin snakes for having crazy cutscenes. I said it every time in the game. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Before I forget, Apache, you need to set it up so that the next time you stream and you get to the scene where the Shagohod, you know, flies off of the, the wreckage of the bridge, you've got like the dumb air horns and like 420 and flashing and like weed leaves and everything. Yeah, you've got to do that. <laughs> I do oh, like, got it. like that 720 quick scope on Shadow Moses video that I always yeah. link to. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I hate that defense of the twin stakes because, okay, yeah. Uh, that crazy stuff fit the tone of those games. Don't retroactively apply that to Metal Gear Solid 1. Well, it's going for a different tone. If we're going to go there, I don't have a problem with those cutscenes in the Twin Snakes. Like, I get that Twin Snakes is not trying to replace MGS1 in, in, in every way. It's just kind of trying to do its own thing. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, That's the problem, but, though. People do see it as a replacement. I've seen people yeah. say... Oh, don't play this outdated original game. Play the new game with gooder graphics and and objectively worse gameplay and better voice acting. No, just kidding. Sorry. Oh god, yeah, let's <laughs> not go too crazy. When I bring up this point, I'm not saying that the Twin Snakes cutscenes are good. Um, I, I I don't personally like the tone of them either, and I you know I agree yeah. with what you said, uh, Force Wave. Like, I, I I agree with you. Um, but what I'm complaining about is that people always come to me to complain about Twin Snakes with the exact same bullet points because they've heard them from someone else. And they make the exact Fair same enough. arguments. And as soon as I pick them out on their arguments, they have no reply because they weren't their opinions to begin with. So that's why I make that point. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of the Twin Snakes uh, cutscenes. I do like well, the game, and I certainly don't see it as a replacement for Metal Gear Solid 1. I treat it as a, a separate entity. My complaint with the Twin Snakes would be it's far too easy compared to um, Metal Gear Solid has never been that easy 
Like one, two, and three are far more difficult than the twin snakes. It, you know, the thing about the cutscenes, um, that I think really hurts them, and and why they don't work as well as uh what like rising does for example mm-hmm. is that they are very early 2000s in a lot of ways yeah very bullet timey like yeah know. i remember when uh when it was first announced that kitamura was going to handle the cutscenes i went and and picked up verses so that i could see you know sort of what what are we in for you know kojima is enamored with this director made friends with him and is now giving him full control over these cutscenes. what are we in for and uh at the time you know versus was like wow this is pretty cool and it, exactly it's very bullet timey it's sort of like a high octane yeah. matrix inspired zombie movie of sorts you know um and going back and watching it again today it absolutely does not hold up in the slightest and twin snake sort of suffers from that where you know, this this was a style of of action directing that was very cool for about three or four years and then immediately went out of date. The the whole the whole game doesn't look good. Like it doesn't hold up at all, which well, is yeah. so weird because Metal Gear Solid 2 does. Metal Gear Solid 2 really holds up. Um, well that's and- in part because of the art direction. Yeah. Can I provide my two cents for why I think Kojima had Kitamura go crazy with those cutscenes. I think it was Kojima kind of playing a prank. Like, <laughs> I think Koji- I remember Kojima in that Twitch interview in 2014. He was asked if he could remake any game, what would he remake? And he said, personally, I'm not that big of a fan of remakes, but if I had a gun to my head, essentially. I would remake Metal Gear Solid 1, but, like, do it in a Matt Reeves, Planet of the Apes reboot style. Oh, God. So, you know, Kojima himself said he's not fond of remakes. So, you know, now Nintendo and Konami are partnering up to bring Metal Gear, remake Metal Gear for the GameCube. I think Kojima wanted to, like, try to I don't think sabotage is the right word, but, you know, just make it take the piss. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, make it yeah. distinct and like it's going to be a GameCube exclusive, so it's not going to hurt the main audience. It was so weird, the build up to that game, too. I mean, the marketing was all over the place and they even had at one point um, this nearly 30 minute long trailer that was basically every cutscene in the game strung together like every action oriented cutscene it was so weird the way they did that what if it was just like revenge for snake's revenge just like fuck (laughs) you guys (laughs) i don't know what was going on there i mean there's there's definitely there are some things in twin snakes that i like but i don't know there's two things in twin snakes that i genuinely think are improvements and they both happen in the communications towers one uh, when Snake is caught by that camera that it still works even if you use a chaff grenade, that's replaced by laser wires that trip the alarm. So, you know, it makes more sense. And when you go down all those stairs in the second tower... The drop's bigger. <laughs> the, the drop exists. 
yeah, the part where the bridge collapses is much higher up because in the original game, it's like, can you just hop over the railing? Yeah, you just hop down. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the best change is removing the pal backtrack sequence and giving you a way. No, I disagree hard with that. Disagree on that. I'm going to hard disagree and I can explain why. I was about to say, I think you've already explained this before, Nightshore. Yeah, have I explained this before? You have, but you're more than welcome to... Apache, have you heard my argument for why that was a bad change? Before you make yours, let me make mine. Okay. I'm trying to complete the game fast, and the pal track track (laughs) sequence is kind of fucking boring. (laughs) When you do it once, I always say, I always say, I always say, this works thematically. The the first time you do it, it's fantastic. When you do it a thousand times, it doesn't. Okay, so add it in repeat playthroughs. And that's that's kind of what what their summary was was like. Yeah. It's a nice little thing, but but in subsequent playthroughs, this shortcut is very fun and helpful. Right, it just kills so, the pacing. This is so typical of the radical left. You want to do it fast, not do it right. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> great reference. That's a good reference. <laughs> that's a Petersonian reference right there. <laughs> the things I did like about Twin Snakes. Um, I will say that uh, of all the boss battles that they screwed up, uh, I think the tank was a was nicely done. The tank fights better in Twin Snakes, yeah. Yeah, they they managed to retain the difficulty and also uh, made it sort of lean more into the mechanics that you get with MGS2's engine, where now you have a you know you've got two ways to approach this battle now, and both of them uh, are challenging, and both of them make sense. Um, but you can't really say that for, you know, as I'm thinking about it, there's that's basically the only example of a boss in the entire game that was an improvement in in some ways. It was arguably an improvement. Uh, Everything a, else is either exactly the same or genuinely worse. Yeah, they 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 like think about the stinger in Metal Gear Solid 2 and how comfortable it feels to fight the rays with it. And it just yeah. it just works really well. They, for some reason, made that weapon worse in Metal Gear Solid 1, where if they had made it better, the hind fight would have been another fight that was improved by the Twin Snakes. But they decided to just make that gun worse in the game. So the hind fight is just is, is worse than Metal Gear Solid 1 when it could have been better. Uh, Ocelot is way worse. I think the ninja fight is fine. Um, Liquid's way worse, like way, way worse. The ninja's yes. basically the same, though. I mean, it's it's unchanged. Yeah, and the it's... only difference with like Psycho Manus is that all oh, the room tilts now. <laughs> and you get and you get according to DRK, you get beatbox music. Yeah, I do like that you have to put the controller in port four. I think that was a that was a that was a fun change. You have to you have to switch it actually. You you, you do put it in four, but you have to co- consistent. I think depending on the difficulty, maybe you have no, to consistently. You, you, you don't have to if you put it in two. It works for a little bit, and then you go to three and you go to four. But you can just go straight to four. Oh, Oh, geez. There is something I noticed in Twin Snakes that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, And this is kind of an assumption on my part. Uh, But hear me out. When MGS3 was being developed, they had to sort of uh, they had to rewrite a lot of the collision system because of the fact that they were no longer dealing with mostly flat ground. And you've got all these, you know, this all this varied terrain you've got hills you're going up slo- up and down slopes um and MGS2's engine didn't really cope with that very well um you can see early footage you know every, i think everybody's seen it at this point of this of like this early um development footage of MGS3 where they were still using MGS2's engine like it's very clearly Pliskin 
in a forest, right? Um, but this this idea of them having to rewrite the collision engine to make it work uh, always stuck in my mind for some reason. And I believe, uh, I can't prove it, but I believe you can see why in Twin Snakes. Um, so uh, do do any of you know what inverse kinematics are? No. Mm-mm. I do because you told me. I don't even know what a kinematic is. Okay. Uh, in-game development, computer animation, robotics, etc. Inverse kinematics is basically uh, a way to calculate where joints need to go in order to set up an animation to get from one place to another. So oh. you know how snakes feet snap to the stairs perfectly in MGS2 every single time? Yes. That's an example of inverse kinematics at work. And that system didn't, it wasn't sufficient, apparently, for MGS-3's terrain. So they had to rewrite it. Well, the Twin Snakes uses MGS-2's engine, right? Uh, and there is, uh, there, there are a couple of places in Twin Snakes where the terrain is a bit more varied than in MGS-2. In MGS-2, it's like all flat surfaces. There are like one or two little slopes, but they're very, very slight. Um, but right off the bat in Twin Snakes, when you get off the elevator at the heliport, if you go to the right, there's a snowbank. And if you sort of run up and down the steepest part of it, Snake's legs will freak the hell out. <laughs> and and I bet that's what they were dealing with early on with MGS3 when they had him going up and down these slopes is that the animation just looked ridiculous. So, I mean, you can go and try this and see it. And I and I, I, I kind of suspect that like that's what they were running into, but I can't, you know, prove it. Weird dev stuff. Conversely, in Metal Gear Solid 3, it works perfectly. You can't get it to look weird in that game. Yeah, it's it's that game there. They you can tell if you look very closely all the little tweaks they made to things like the way you lean against walls and the animations for for certain behaviors. It is clean. It is very clean. It's amazing how they've used all that jungle terrain and stuff, but every single surface only faces one of six directions. We can't find yeah. any that that don't face in one of six directions. Basically, the game looks like a, it's a lot more curved than Metal Gear Solid Two, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I don't want to imagine the kind of problems they went through developing these games. Uh, those guys are wizards, and I'm always going to be impressed. Speaking of having problems developing games, what about <laughs> the state of those Grand Theft Auto Definitive Editions? Oh my fucking god! There's your segue. Yeah. There you go. You got it. I have to say, there was a, uh, it was a, it was interesting juxtaposing, and I think I tweeted about this in one instance, it was interesting juxtaposing the lessons I learned in Nitroid's MGS2 modding stream with the absolute shit show that is some of the shit that I'm seeing out of this game. So, like, for instance, there's a video where, like, an NPC's face texture was showing up on the walls of a harbor, and I was like, oh... Nitro talked about this. This must be like it's trying to load up a detailed texture from a texture map and this shit is broken, so it loads up a face. It's yeah, somebody cool. messed up a file name somewhere. Yeah. It's it's a surreal image. It it really is Silent Hill HD two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's terrifying because uh I, I have a lot of friends that speedrun Grand Theft Auto. Like, I interact with a lot of people who who are like Grand Theft Auto speedrunners, that's all they do is they play like the older games. 
And I'm seeing them like having the absolute worst time. They're playing these games on stream. A lot of them have got like huge bumps in numbers. They've got way more viewers than they regular than they would normally have because they're playing these new editions. And every five minutes, someone's coming in like, "Oh, so what do you think of the new game?" And they're like, "Bro, I fucking hate it." And they're having like the worst <laughs> time playing this game. And I just see, I just see the future where it's me, where it's fucking me. Because I, I get asked about like, "Oh, what do you think about a Metal Gear Solid Three remake all the time?" And I'm like, "Bro." I fucking hate that idea um, because I see the future where it's exactly what has happened with Rockstar right now. And it's, it fucking scares me, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I will say on GTA, there's some really funny stuff that people are digging up as they try to investigate why things are broken. Yeah. How did they do that? Hot coffee's back. Even more than hot coffee is... I may get the terminology wrong here, but I was in Joshimus's stream, and he was saying that when this, when the when the game came out, it had the full mission scripts, and they weren't compiled, and they had on the, the Switch dev version, comments yeah. with them as well. So they just yeah. got like what? pulled straight out of the game. So I don't know yeah. what that exactly entails, but that's information you shouldn't normally have. And all the unlicensed music was still in it. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a like a reverse engineer's wet dream in the long run. But one of the things they did that was so funny, um, and I can't verify this because I haven't done it myself, so it's it you know take it as as hearsay. But um, apparently they took the absolute laziest path to quote unquote improve the models in the game. So, um, if if you are a three D modeler, there is a common tool you can use called subdivide. Um, the idea being that it takes existing polygons and basically sort of slices up the polygons and doubles them so that you have more definition, you know? Uh, it, it makes the object more complicated. But when you use an automatic subdivide tool, it's not going to be very precise. It's not going to be optimized. It's just going to, you know, it's like a general coat of paint. It covers everything. It, it's, it's you know, for, for good optimized 3D models, you need a scalpel, not a machete, right? Um, and somebody went and looked at the model of Big Smoke, and it's just an absolute nightmare of polygons. It's it's hilarious. And someone basically went, okay, so did they use subdivide on all the models in the game to make them look higher detail than they used to be? Like, is that all they did? They didn't really, like, remodel them or touch them up manually. They just opened them in the 3D editor, hit subdivide, save, and that's it. It seems very lazy. Well, apparently people have thrown the PS2 models into Blender, hit subdivide, and gotten the exact same result. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Furthermore, you know the, um, what's the name of the donut shop in San Andreas? Tough nut. Tough, yeah, something like that. You know how they have, like, the nut next to the donut, right? Yeah. Well, that nut is now a perfect circle. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> which that. implies that they used subdivide on the nut. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Um, and the 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 worst the worst fear of mine is like I I I, you know, I interact with a lot of people who can break down on a very technical level why this game is why these game all three of these games are much much worse. And from what I understand, three is the least worse, but it's still not an improvement on the old one. And it's probably because it's the least sophisticated. Yeah, uh, uh, Vice City and San Andreas like way way worse and i'm listening to these people break down on a technical level why it's a pile of trash 
And at the same time, I look at my Facebook and I see people praising it. Like, you know, the everyday yeah. like person is like, oh my God, I don't know what people are talking about. These games are great. And it's like, yeah. this, this would be my actual version yeah. of hell if this Pain. is what happens with Metal Gear Solid 3. I think people don't realize that when we talk about these different topics on these shows or even in gaming and media in general. Like, yes, like there are a, a, a good handful of people that do see the outrage and do see sort of these transgressions. But there are even a larger handful that don't know and even a larger handful that know and don't care. And then a yeah. handful that just don't know and they'll never take the effort to know. Yeah, like I, I played Cyberpunk all the way through at launch on PS4, on a base PS4, and got through Jesus. it with like two or three crashes, maybe. But like other than that, I, I made through it fine. Other than like, so other than like the game itself kind of just like sucking, like I, I still made it through. But I saw <laughs> everybody else's, uh, you know, having a bad time with it. So well, it's, that's the worry here. And anytime yeah. we have an argument about any specific subject, not just development and why remasters can be. Uh, a, a bad idea potentially but any argument whether it's whether mgs5 is finished whether certain uh, aspects of development are the way they are any subject in metal gear that requires specialized knowledge when you go up and you try to explain this to most people who disagree they disagree because they aren't you know crazy super fans that pay attention to the most minute details of things and and they're just general consumers of these things and you know it just sort of exists as a product that is fun to them yeah and yeah it's it's because uh, you know it's redeveloped with with an audience in mind who are gonna like pick buy it and then play it once and then put it down and never think about it again right yeah. but the the thing was so good to begin with because of how valuable it was as as a piece of art and that's why it's so important. So when you just put like a fresh coat of paint on it and don't really care and, you know, fuck it up in the process, that's uh, hurtful in a lot of ways to people who love the art. Let's be clear here. We're really, when you get down to it, we're not the audience. You know, we're not the target audience. We're not the, the customer base that they're looking to appeal to. Yeah. And when I say they, I mean most game companies. Just look at Nintendo with, with the Switch online expansion pack and, and how much of a mess that is mm -hmm. with, the, with the N64 emulation. It is that way because they know most people, like Days said, either don't know or don't care. Yeah. I'm really grateful to like that I did grow up in the era, you know, of video games that I did to like play these things as they as they came out because it definitely is getting harder and harder to like experience these games like in their just in their original form kind of you know just like you know emulation is is pretty much all we've got to like save this so speaking of which people have complained about the super mario 3d all-stars collection being you know basic emulations of 64 sunshine and galaxy but to me like they call that lazy. But when you put that next to the Grand Theft Auto de Trilogy Definitive Edition, where they move everything to Unreal Engine 4 and they up-res all the assets and... Oh, I hate those. Made all, and made all the models more detailed. Yeah. That put an effort to be worse. Um, well, you... Here's my interpretation of that. I mean, not to defend it, but there is, um, how do I put this? I get the impression that the people who make 
the, you know, Zelda or Mario in Unreal Engine type uh, tech demos are are technically minded, not artistically minded. These are these are programmers. These are not artists. Um, Art direction is a very, very difficult thing to get right uh, and understand properly. And it's (sighs) holistic design where everything fits together to make something, you know, essentially greater than the sum of its parts is is not an easy thing. And it it's for people who who might not think about these things and just sort of go to certain uh forms of media, absorb it and move on, you know, it's it's not a conscious consideration in a lot of ways. Um unless it's really really jarring. I don't know. It's one of those. I know we've we've said it like a half billion times referencing the the RLM quote, but it's one of those, you know, you might not have noticed it, but your brain did sort of thing. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I really get the impression that the people who make those uh, are not artists. Um, they're they're just, you know, they're they're talented programmers who, who want to recreate stuff and make it, you know, look as good as as they think it might look. And, you know, similar thing with the Blue Point remakes of Shadow of the Colossus and Demon Souls. Like that knows that there's no excuse for. <laughs> <laughs> they have artists. Well, sure, they have artists, but they also seem more interested in showing off the processing power of the new PlayStation console than faithfully replicating the original art style. And so that's why. OK, you know, sure, but you can do both. It's not it's not these aren't these aren't mutually exclusive things. I mean, a lot of the designs in Demon Souls, for example, are dramatically different. You could do high fidelity versions of those existing designs. They just chose not to. Sure, but that's the thing. I don't I'm at a point where I don't want to risk it. So like. okay, yeah, you can complain that Mario 3D All Stars is sixty dollars and has that awful FOMO thing like the point is to preserve these games like putting a time limit on it is awful yeah Disney vaulting it yeah yeah but but there's nothing inherently wrong with just putting the original games in a good emulator and then well, you know putting that on a disc or cartridge and then you know making them available for a new audience like they, they don't need to be completely remade for people to play them and enjoy them. I don't you know, like j- j- like just upres them. I guess I don't really have a problem with Mario 3D All Stars, but like the HD collection for Metal Gear. I thought that was like a good re-release, you know, like I, I don't two's bad. Three's good. OK, I'm saying just from like a, <laughs> from a graphical standpoint, like just like what they did, you know, just to. I'm sure, like, they messed with, like, the contrast and the colors and, and some parts. I know you've pointed that out, Nitro, but just, like, I thought yeah. it was, like, a good little, like, when you say, like, up-res it, like, I thought that was a good uh, instance of that. Honestly, that would be an interesting topic to explore sometime is the differences between the HD collection and the original. And I would say that they're not, in in comparison to Shadow of the Colossus and Demon Souls, they're not egregious at all. No. Uh, there, like, there are a couple of weird things and some eyebrow-raising alterations, but for the most part, it's it's a consistent experience with the original uh, that I can't complain too much about. Um, I, I, you know, given that that Apache plays these things uh, far more uh, 
I don't want to say religiously than I do. Um, but you've definitely had your nose to the grindstone, uh, you know, uh, to a higher degree. I would, I would be interested to hear what you exactly think in MGS two, uh, makes it sort of a bad remaster. Cause I know what, I know what I think. I'm curious what you think. I, I mean, I, I want to qualify it with two, two isn't, isn't bad. I was just, I was just being ridiculous there, but I, ju- no. I just think when you compare it to the other versions, I would rather play Sons of Liberty. I would rather play, um, PC substance with V's fix, um, compared to the HD collection. I, I think the HD collection of two is my least favorite release of it, but I still think it's good. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's got the same as like, uh, you know, other re- other remasters and re-releases that get put out. I just think like three is the best example where, in my opinion, the game has been improved in every single way. Mainly because it runs at a reasonable frame rate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, two's uh, three's got issues on the PlayStation too. Let's let's be real. Like, yeah. Actually, I was gonna say watching all of like those MGS two runs both during and I guess some folks were doing it after MGSR. I I do not remember like the all that slowdown. You know how people say, you know, I don't remember a game looking like this or I remember a game <laughs> oh, yeah. looking better than this. MGS2 looks the same to me, except that apparently it had slowdown on the PS2, which blew my mind. Yeah, it, very rarely, though. It had it really bad and it ran for the most part very well. But in the holds, it had very obvious frame drops and slowdown. Uh, during the Harrier fight and during Rays. Yeah, if you spam stingers, it slows down, especially like um, if you if you throw them at the water during the vamp battle, for example. Yeah, it'll do that on any version, though, like pretty much yeah. apart from PC. Like you, on- you can you can like the Xbox uh, Series S with stingers in two if you fire them at the ground in front of you. Yeah, I was going to say the the original um, the Xbox version of substance is probably the most egregious when it comes to slowdown. Yeah, like, t- holy t- crap. Yeah, it's not a good port, which is funny because I th- I think the uh, the the PC version is actually so good. But I mean, you yeah. had to get some Italian guy in his bedroom to fix it. But <laughs> wh- when he did, it's a very it's, good version of the game. Yeah, the PC version was was built off of the the Xbox version. In fact, there's actually Xbox um, guide images uh, contained in the PC version still. Yep, it's pretty yeah. funny. VS Fix Two. Yeah, uh, that's a miracle. Without that, uh, it would not really be playable. It'd be garbage. It'd be zero out of yeah. ten, in my opinion. Yeah. It would be it's actually trash. I mean, the the PC version has a problem with um, when the FMVs play. Uh, they can just crash the game on anyone's PC at random. So just yeah. anytime you're viewing a cutscene in that game, your PC is going to crash. It's like Schrodinger's crash. Anytime an yeah. FMV is playing, <laughs> your PC may or may not crash. There are a few things in the PC version that the HD collection has a one up on. And I'm not talking about like, I mean, obviously the 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 textures that were improved for the HD collection. Um, but uh, one of the one of the things I've noticed as I've as I've been playing it more and just sort of digging through it is that if you enable widescreen support, um, they didn't really, you know, that version of the game wasn't really catering to widescreen. To begin with, you see Raiden's dick, <laughs> or not dick. You do see through a lot of walls if you're near uh, doors, um, which you don't get that in the HD collection that I'm aware of. So just little visual quirks like that. 
So I don't know. Maybe someday with enough effort and modding and and attention and and careful eye to detail, the PC version can sort of hybridize the HD collection into like a perfect MGS2 of sorts. I, I would be very interested to see what happens if the HD collection was ever released on PC and we could oh, compare man. them fully like with each other, uh, like the, um, you know, the, the, the MGS2 port and the HD collection port. Or we can get the Legacy Collection with MGS4 as well. Might as well just throw that in mm-hmm. there. Port games. Yes, I've been doing the summoning rituals and stuff, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to play it. I'd love to well, play it. Well, I mean, don't get me started on on what Konami is or isn't doing with Metal Gear right now, because, um, look, I try to avoid getting on the Konami hate bandwagon. I really don't Boo! like that. <laughs> um, honestly, the people who have to handle this backlash are not the people responsible for it and that's not to say you shouldn't voice your disapproval of certain things but i've always kind of found it disproportionate let's say the way the way people have reacted towards konami and you know konami tweets hey how's everyone doing and it's like 40 posts of f you and and whatnot um so i've never gotten on board with that but i do have to say like, I fully agree with what you said today, Nitroid, about the design behind the products that Konami releases and them not understanding their own aesthetic is so true. They don't. That well, shit is that's, fucking ugly. Well, it's, you know, it's it's getting to a point where, like, we haven't had anything come out for Metal Gear for a while. I think I think for the sake of posterity, you should probably add some context to your words. Uh, okay. Sorry, I don't mean to okay. be an uh, retentive asshole. No, 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 you're right. But I, I would um, like to talk about how disappointed I am with with what you're about to talk about. So. I am really trying to give I always try to give the benefit of the doubt to anybody. You know, that's that's just a personal principle. Um. You know, I, I I'd like to assume that there's no malice in something negative uh, unless given a reason otherwise. And again, with Konami, I've, I've never wanted to get on the hate bandwagon. And I'm you know, there are certain things I definitely think should be handled better, but I've 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 never gone that far. And um, my frustration lately has been just rising and rising, and it's getting very hard not to be uh, perturbed let's say with um with some of the choices yes join the dark side we have cookies no i'm i don't think i'm gonna go full evil but but i'm definitely getting into that gray area well no all right so today they dropped a they dropped a collab with first four figures and like they hyped it up with on the official konami shop and then we thought you know something new was gonna happen and then something it just turns gonna out happen, right. it's the fucking same First four figures, like little SD super deformed solid snake guy that yeah. we've super seen. <laughs> I think that's what SD stands for. Except it's exclusive because it has new eyes and a new box. I think. Yeah, and that's like the only thing. But like I've yeah, and it's ninety ninety five bucks I think. But yeah, I got like the stealth camo version of it in my room from like Amazon for like thirty or twenty five yeah. bucks or something. They're on every clearance shelf of every GameStop in the Midwest. Yeah, it's really weird for them. I, I guess they have over like like leftover stock that they're trying to get rid of. I don't know. Like that that was that was really disappointing because everybody kind of was hyped for it. Like everybody's like, all right, what do we got here? And then it was that, and it was like well, by shit. itself, this is not a problem. But 
Because we'll give we'll give them the Christmas sweaters. I mean, the, the, like we said, the, those were those were pretty good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to approach this and and what I want to say because I really don't want to go on a rant about Konami because there's been enough of that. Like I'm trying to sort of balance this out. Uh, you're because coming I at want, it with good faith, though, because it's yeah. like it's not like you're trying to like shit on them. Like well, I'm, inherently, I'm like, you're you're you're. It's almost like I want to give you my money, but. They're making it real hard. Yeah. You know, first you have the fact that we haven't heard anything about Metal Gear in any serious capacity for how many years now? Three. Well, yeah, and you were talking about this more on your stream the other night, too. That's kind of why you might feel like you've been talking yeah. about this a lot lately. But yeah, on your stream, you were talking about how it was the 20th anniversary and they didn't tweet a right. goddamn thing about Metal Gear Solid They didn't say 2. a word. And it was just yeah. like, oh, okay, I guess y'all no forgot. Like, they retweeted stuff. Like, they retweeted my remix that I had put out that day and, like, they kind of acknowledged it that way. But that's it. And it's just, it's sad. On top of the fact, rather than, than like, not only did they not say anything, um, and again, I, you know, I don't blame the social media team for this because who knows what sort of restrictions they're under. Yeah. They're not getting anything fed to them, you know, like no yeah, new I, material to put out or just, I do not blame them for this. Yeah. Someone higher up needs to grab the wheel because this car's steering all over the place. At least that's what it seems like from the outside. Cause we don't know anything, but not only did they not say anything for the 20th anniversary of metal gear solid two, but they delisted it practically to the day of the anniversary which is which is like hilarious honestly you can't write this like it's comedic right it's it's absolutely ridiculous that 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 even happened um and the only thing that is happening of any capacity with metal gear is that we're getting just this barrage of kitsch merchandise where, haha, we put the call logo on a beanie. We, we've got a coffee mug here that has a depressing quote from... That has a whole ass dialogue. Yeah, an impact font. Right, this is the most depressing fucking quote. Yeah, from Psycho Manus on it. Um, we've got plushies of, of Snake and Otacon that look like something out of your nightmares. Um, <laughs> you just pissed off half of our fucking viewership. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, no, no, he's right. He's right. I love you, Snake and Otacon lovers out there. But when you were simping for that, there was those fucking plush dolls. I was like, are you guys for real? I think, okay, okay, demand the better. I like. I'm more of a ducks guy. You know, we're, we're we're ducks guys here. You know, the plush, the plushes, is, I think, are another example <laughs> of a case of isolated. In the midst of other good merchandising, it's good, but holistically, this shit ain't happening. Like, yeah, I, it's, I get it. there has definitely been a step down in terms of quality. It looks like a carnival prize. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and to the point about like a lot of this stuff is like when I look at fan stuff and and artistic stuff, and I, I hate to say it this way because it, it makes me feel like an asshole, but it's like if I can. So, like, one thing that I do to make sure that I'm not, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm supporting, like, a real artist if I buy, like, a graphic tee or something, is that I will, like, go through the results to verify that this is, one, not something that was, like, or at least I try my best to make sure this one wasn't something that, you know, could be scanned easily from, like, an artist's page, or two, it's something that, um you know, can just be easily recreatable in some sort of, like, 
art tool or something like that. And I feel like a lot of this stuff is like easily recreatable in an art tool. Like I'm being, yeah. being sold by some like, I compare them to like the Instagrams, the, the stores that you see on Instagram. It's like Walmart discount shelf stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is Metal Gear Solid. This series has always <laughs> sort of commanded a certain respect that I understand it's sort of fallen out of good graces recently, but I mean, it's not being treated with any respect whatsoever. It's just been commoditized. And, and these, this merchandise is, is pretty much done not because it fits any sort of theme or aesthetic or it makes sense for the brand, but because hey, we've got the Metal Gear Solid name, slap it on the most random-ass shit you can think of, and let's make a few quick bucks. And occasionally, the this strategy sort of leans accidentally into irony, and it becomes something that's like, all right, that's kind of funny, like the Christmas sweaters, right? But even in a case like that, I'm not paying $80 plus yeah. 15 shipping for a Christmas sweater that I'm only going to wear as a joke, and that is clearly only meant as a joke. I'm not doing that. You are going so easy on it. You, you're going so easy on it. Like, they literally put the fucking orange box on a tote bag. Because I'm going to become the Joker. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not trying to hate on these guys. I want them to do better. True. I really want to support Konami, but they're not letting me. There's a lot of stuff out there that is cool. Like, you know, there's it's a full, like, range, you know, of, like, really good to... Like, pretty damn bad. It's a death by a thousand pinpricks kind of thing for me where I'm just yeah. really frustrated. And, and, and like, any one of these things in isolation is, like, whatever. But it's the fact that it's just been compounding, especially lately, that I'm just kind of losing my mind at it. And and it would be so easy to course correct uh, and and earn back some good faith from fans that it just astonishes me they don't. Like, you could do something simple for the 20th anniversary. You wouldn't have to put any effort in. Just do, a do a, like, a two-hour stream where you play the game and you share memories and you talk about, you know, how cool some of the cutscenes are and you give out some free copies. Now, obviously, they couldn't do that because of, you know, the, the licensing issue, which honestly shouldn't have been an issue in the first place if they were paying attention. That, yeah, that was um, then, again, then again, it's a giant company, so who the hell knows what things are like there. I, you know, I don't work there. I don't know. But like, OK, then give out T-shirts, uh, something, you know, put in the the lowest possible amount of effort and most people are going to be OK. But we didn't even get that. It was dead silence. It was it was less than silence because rather because they didn't just do nothing. They took something away. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, goes, so, it goes back. To, it goes back to that quote I was saying earlier from like a few episodes ago. That was like the opposite of love is indifference. And it's yeah. like Konami yeah. is just fucking indifferent right now. They're not even yeah. angry. And I really don't want to do. I really don't want to complain like this. I don't like complaining like this. I don't like being negative about it. But man, just frustrating. I have a specific complaint about the description of the deformed solid snake statue. <laughs> okay. For some reason, every biography of solid snake has to include the fact that he speaks six languages. I've noticed that a lot and it's annoying to me. It's like of all the things to know about solid snake, you highlight that. It's probably just like in the first paragraph of his bio. So they just they read yeah. that far and they're like, okay, that's good. 
That's interesting. It's being copy pasted from some, you know, little spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah. At this point, more people know that Solid Snake knows six languages <laughs> than they do. The difference between him and Big Boss. Yeah. I was yeah. just about to say that. <laughs> oh, my it. God. <laughs> I, I was able to finish my joke. Crap. <laughs> I mean, is it unreasonable to expect companies to handle their properties better than their fans? Or is that just sort of a natural consequence of a fan being a fan, that they're going to have a deeper appreciation and understanding for something? Okay, here's how I look at it. So, you know, there's that controversy with Metal Gear Survive, and I know you guys have been running defense for that game. And... I mean, I don't hate it. Right. But yeah, I'm not saying you guys think it's great or anything. I. I listened to that defense a while back. It was, I think your review was mediocre at best. Yeah, it's like a cheap beer, you know? It's its its nothing to write home about, but, you know, it's going to get you drunk. Yeah, it's a fun B-movie, yeah. Yep. It's fast food. Right, but my problem with how you guys were tre- treating the backlash was, it was like, oh, there were goofy spinoffs beforehand. It's like, okay, yeah, that's true, but... Back then, the series was much healthier. We, yeah, Kojima didn't just leave Konami and we were worried about the future of the franchise. That Konami could have done so many things that could have easily won back fan support, like, you know, things that I wouldn't like, but I know fans would like, like uh, remaking the MSX games or finishing Kingdom of Flies. Instead, I get they, what you're saying, yeah. Instead, it's- instead, they did the thing that people joked they would do. Turning <laughs> turning Metal yeah. Gear into an always online zombie yeah. survival looter shooter. Another Even one. if that wasn't the intent. Yeah, that was the worry. And they just sort of uh, unintentionally leaned into it um, because, uh, you know, Metal Gear has always done the quirky stuff, but it was always the exception, not the rule. Right. Metal Gear wasn't defined by this kind of stuff. It was just occasionally they would dip their toe into these silly little areas. And you were just like, ha ha, that's interesting. OK, where's the rest of it? You know, where's the where's the real game? Right. But but now we're in a position where not only is the future unknown, but um, everything that has come out seems to follow this pattern of just sort of being dialed in. Even if that even if that isn't necessarily the case that it was dialed in, it seems that way, especially to fans who, you know, were coming hot off the heels of MGSV. And we're expecting something, you know, the next thing after that. Right? Well, I mean, that's that's where I did appreciate it is because it came in and it like was like, hey, here's this like loose tie in. You know, you had the wormholes in the Phantom Pain and, you know, yeah. that that weird element to it. You're like, what the fuck is that all about? It, it didn't really make sense in the game like I, by itself. But then you get into Survivor and you're like, oh, shit. OK, that's that's tied in here. There's this other dimension. And so they kind of explored that, but they didn't call it canon. And, like, I think after Kojima leaving, if they were to go, like, all right, guys, here's this new canon shit, like, everybody would reject that, you know? it's It, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be the Kojima canon, because that's pretty much where people call it. They say if Kojima... We are not the core audience, again, you know? Yeah. Like, you and I are not who they're making stuff for. Yeah. Well, I still... Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Survive, so I don't know. You can tell this by the control scheme that the game originally shipped with. I played the beta with a friend. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah, the stance button is circle. It's always been X before. Yeah. So like, yeah. So 
sorry, circle or B. So that that's clear. The game's clearly aiming at the Call of Duty audience in that case. I think it. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of helped it, though. I think you know, like with the the control scheme they went with actually would like better serve the game. Sure, the but I'm. Sure, but it has. But I do. I get the departure from X equals crawl. Like I, I, I know what right. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, it's I the. I think it's the Fox Engine. It's you know very similar environments and game feel. So you know, my brain. I don't have this problem with Death Stranding because it's you know a completely different style of game. To to sort of, you know, put this to a fine point. I think the concern is that Metal Gear under Kojima was sort of a uh, a boutique brand of sorts, you know? I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, like, the merchandise for, for Metal Gear was ever what you would consider posh or designer per se, but there was definitely uh, a lot of consideration put into it for the most part. You know, you occasionally you'd have the cheap stuff, but again, it wasn't defined by the cheap stuff. <laughs> the play art shit definitely wasn't cheap. You know? Um, just look at the merchandise for Death Stranding and compare it to the merchandise for Metal Gear Solid now, and you can see a very clear difference. And and that is how Metal Gear has sort of been historically ever since it took off. I mean, when they did T-shirts, it was never like, hey, let's get Fan Gamer to slap a logo on. It was, hey, let's get Uniqlo and do all these weird designs, right? Like, there was always an impetus to be creative with whatever it was they were doing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for better or worse at times, but still, like that that drive was there. There was effort. They somehow managed to convince me to wear a Chi Guevara shirt. Hope yeah. I'm pronouncing that right. Oh. Technically, it wasn't him, but I um, I used to laugh at those people until I became one of those people. Thanks, Metal and Gear. The uh. concern after Kojima left was that Metal Gear was going to go from being sort of this boutique brand to just another game, and Survive sort of affirmed every single one of those fears. And everything since then has just compounded onto that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that everything under Kojima was gold. There was the Raymond no, Benson novelizations. There was MGS Touch. Right. There was, you know, uh, social ops. Yeah. But the point is that when you've got so much good that when the bad shows up, it doesn't redefine everything that was good. But when there's nothing, and there's just bad, you've got a bit of a problem. Because, yeah, I mean, we're, we're basically saying the same thing. It's just... Another element is that, you know, Kojima's talked about this in late 2011, I think. You know, he's a, he said he's a... Cre- he explains that he's a creator at heart, but sometimes he has to play the businessman in order right. to make Konami happy, but also give him creative freedom to do whatever he wants. You know, that's why he allowed Metal Gear Rising to exist and ruin Raiden's character because he <laughs> wanted creative freedom for Metal Gear Solid 5, which is hilarious to think about in retrospect. But for- but now, without Kojima, there is no balance between business and creativity. It's just business. Yeah, for, for under Kojima, in the battle between business and art, art would generally come out on top for better or worse. And, and now that is no longer the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you did, you did write that article, uh, on the snake soup about, you know, don't remake the metal gear saga, re-release it. So every major article on the snake soup for the past, uh, couple of years now, at least more. 
Uh, um, I I think just like maybe a year and a half. Year my first my first one was the article on the Tomokazu Fukushima stuff. Basically, I get my ideas for articles from Nitroid being annoyed at something on Twitter. <laughs> huh. God, you're gonna have plenty of content, man. Uh, well, I think I'm done writing articles for the Snake Soup. Like, I I had to like. At this point, uh, Ravi's interest is kind of on fumes at this point. So I think I want to try to parlay that into making my own video content, you know, going back into making videos. I have one idea for covering like stuff like, oh, uh, that whole debate about Liquid's arm and whether or not he was possessed into... I want to go into that because I think there's a conclusive answer to that. But also want to, but you know, I don't, I don't just want to be like, hey, look at how much Metal Gear lore right now. <laughs> My yeah. point just would like, be, let's let's find the most pedantic arguments and snuff them out. <laughs> yeah, but my, my point would be that if you, yeah, this is all fucking stupid. But at the same time, <laughs> this is all your fault for wanting explanations for stuff that weren't meant to be explained. We could have just ended it at two, damn it. Or three. Yeah. I'd have been okay with that. I'd have been okay <laughs> with that too. All right. So uh yeah, if people want to find you online, uh you've got a Twitter, right? Yeah, you can follow me at forcewave one one three nine on Twitter, and you can check out my YouTube channel. We have I'm do I've been doing a lot of podcasts with my best friend Hub Pie. We recently started a show about Spider-Man where he and another friend talks about all the stupid shit that's been going on in the comics. And I just nod my head like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this is why no one re- reads comic books anymore. It's crazy what they're doing with Spider-Man No Way Home, if, if the rumors are true, if they're bringing in all oh, the Oh, God, Spider-Mans. don't tell me. No, 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 no. I, I'm not I, I don't know. Yeah, that's don't me. That's don't my speculation. Me. I don't know. And, well, you see, <laughs> and... This is going to be especially relevant for your audience. So one of our shows was Autism Exchange. So both me and Hub are on the autism spectrum. And and mm-hmm. so when you're on the spectrum, you have intense interests. So for our show, what we did was we took our, our intense interest and gave them to the other person to experience. I got him into Metal Gear. He got me into the Rooster Teeth show, Ruby. So yeah, there's a whole playlist on my show about me getting this, me passing the torch of Metal Gear fandom to the next generation. You know, finally doing what the games tell me I should do. It's nice. (laughs) It was a lot of fun because it was like playing the games for the first time again. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. All right, Force Wave. Yeah, appreciate you coming on yeah, the show, thank man. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. And this has been a lot of fun to complain about stuff with you. <laughs> no problem. But hey, if you want me to come on to complain some more, uh, feel free to send me a DM. Complaining brings us together. All right. <laughs>